0: You're listening to Fearless Pursuits Podcast, episode number 34. Wow, did I say 34? I can't believe we've done 34 episodes already. Where does the time go? It's just so amazing to co-create this podcast with you. After all, this podcast wouldn't even exist without you. So, today... I'm back with another interview. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. So the theme for season two of the podcast is how to become bulletproof. Here's the thing. We as humans have a lot of circumstances that we get thrown into, which can break us if we let it. Our lives are the result of this proof. We're walking proof of whether or not we've allowed our life to break us or if we've succeeded. If we truly want to have a breakthrough to success, we must become bulletproof. And my guests share their stories and how they became bulletproof. And today's guest is going to blow your mind on what's truly possible for you. He is called the Fail Coach. And he'll share with us how he helps entrepreneurs all over the world redefine failure and reach for a higher level of success. Listen in now as I interview the fail coach himself, Miha Metlievsky. Hey, hey, you're listening to Fearless Pursuits Podcast, where it's that time to slap your doubts and fears around, learn online marketing, mindset hacks, and fuel your entrepreneur's soul so you can have a breakthrough to success in your own business, even if you're just starting out or if you've been in business for a while. I'm Sharon Koenig, an online life and business coach and serial entrepreneur for over 25 years. My goal is to share with you everything that I've learned along the way, including Good, the bad, and the ugly. Each week, we'll explore what it takes to reach your goals, your dreams, and create the financial freedom through online entrepreneurship. Plus, hear interviews from special guests who share their own tips, strategies, and advice on how you can break through to success. If you're ready to dig in, Listen in to today's episode. Thank you, Miha, for coming here today and sharing your story with the audience. But before we begin, I know I've had an opportunity to hear your story and to chat with you, but my audience wants to know a little bit more about you. So why don't you share something, maybe something that most people don't know about you?
1: Well, hi, Sharon. So first of all, thank you. For having me on your podcast and maybe one fun thing to share about me is that you know how every entrepreneur they all want freedom and uh, I'm not your typical entrepreneur in that regard because my freedom is not you know being on a yacht somewhere in, in the Caribbean sipping cocktails but I actually chose to move to Serbia, which is an Eastern European country, and chase around the streets for stray dogs and then adopt them, find them homes. And so that, that's my freedom. So really? uh, d- during the day, that's what I do. And then, you know, <laughs> because most of my clients are from US and Canada. Mm-hmm. So my my work day starts in the afternoon, but during the day, yeah, that's what I do. So, and most people uh, don't know, and I'm not sharing too much of that because I know that that's a very, very particular uh, uh, choice that I made.
0: Wow, so you have a heart for animals, but specifically dogs, you you wanna give them homes. That is so sweet.
1: Have you always
0: been a lover of dogs?
1: No, no, no. I I was actually super afraid of dogs. Um, But then as I was going through my depression and anxiety and what we'll cover later on, um, at one point I adopted a dog from from a shelter. And, you know, as much as everybody's telling me that I saved Happy's life, Mm. by the way, yeah, his name is Happy. (laughs) Um, But he really saved my life. He taught Mm. me how to start loving myself um, I was able to, because he was, you know, so full of energy. I had to leave the phone at home. I had to focus on our walks. So he naturally got me into the state of mindfulness when I was, mm. you know, uh, on on the walks with him. And when I was going through depression and all of that, I really um, wasn't into meeting people. You know, like I kind of was just staying at home, staying on on the couch. And uh, he got me out, you know, and then you start talking with other dog owners and so on. So um, there is just so much he gave me. um, And I don't know, I feel this is kind of like a way of me giving back to, to the whole animal community for what they did for me.
0: What an interesting story, and I love that you you found a new way to deal with your problems through mindfulness. In a sense, what you realize is that you had to change your focus, right? And we realize that this is always the case, and a lot of people don't realize that when they're having problems, that they actually have to change their focus so that the focus is off of themselves. Because, and I, and I love too as a man, because a lot of men are, you know, they're thinking about how they have to be so masculine and, and, and not that, you know, having a dog and loving a dog and nurturing a dog is not masculine, but being aware and having that mindfulness is something that a lot of men are afraid of because it does seem to be something that most women would want to do. But when we realize we're talking to the top 1%, the top 10% of the most successful of successful people in the world, they realize that there is an inner focus. There is a focus that they have to put on, you know, something different than their problems, right?
1: I I mean, you know. Um, Yes, we men, we can be very strange sometimes uh, being afraid to, you know, talk, talk about emotions, stuff like that. But I I think that the key to happiness, I mean, I I really read a lot about different religions. And and one that really stuck with me was Zen Buddhism. And they talk a lot about balance. And I think, you know, when, when it comes to living a happy life, you can't be just the alpha man or, I don't know, what's the, the opposite of alpha man on, on the women's side. Um, you you kind of have to embrace a little bit of both and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, find that balance and, and be uh, be okay with being vulnerable, with being transparent, with, you know getting to know yourself, what your values are, what your beliefs are, uh, being okay with whatever it is, and then, you know, uh, change what you want to change. Um, And uh, one of those things is, yeah, I guess, of course, embrace the more emotional side of you as well, because I, I think we all have it. It's just that we men sometimes... Um, want to be a bit stubborn about it. I mean, I I was like that, you know, like, oh, you must not show emotions. You must not talk about emotional stuff. That's for the ladies. But you know what? Um, My life is so much better when I let myself just be who I am and and let, you know, the, the male and the female side expose itself.
0: Well, after all, we do have each testosterone and estrogen, so it's, it's obvious that we have that masculine and that feminine side, so we have to be able to do that. I think what ends up happening is we get stuck in the ego. We realize that we're very prideful when we don't reach out for that other side, you know, that opposite side to us, especially as a man, I imagine, because so much is at stake for you, especially talking about your story, and I think this is a great, opportunity for us to actually talk about that because you had a very difficult time and I think you know telling your story to the audience about how you created so much success and there you were really running the show by yourself and feeling so incredible about what you created and then losing it all so why don't you tell the audience a little bit about how you got started with your business, and what ended up happening where you lost it all.
1: Well, I'll just quickly go to the to the beginning of what you said. So, one magical thing that happened after I became the fail coach and I started sharing all this stuff publicly, my men friends from the past who you know would never um you know let them be vulnerable uh in front of other male friends when we were just one on one they started opening up and and they started talking and i think that's something that's in every man but they're just too afraid to let it out and once i lowered my guards once i told the story as it was no you know uh, going around certain stuff that might not be as comfortable to speak about as something else, um, they started opening up as well, and they started letting that, um, you made it that safe more for feminine. Them. Yeah, yeah. You kind of like that's why, like I told you in the beginning before we started recording, it's not that I'm so. I'm overwhelmed like happy about my story and I want to share it because of that. It's just that I've learned that if I don't share it, others don't share back. And, uh, I've studied failure a lot in the past few years and uh, failure is the number one reason for suicide among Mm. entrepreneurs and fear of failure is the number one dream killer. So it's a really huge taboo. And the only way that I know how we can break it is if we talk openly about it. And, you know, more and more people, are sharing their failures, but they're doing it in a superficial way, you know. They would just go and say, oh, you know, Elon Musk, I applied for, you know, McDonald's to work there, and they said, no, ha, 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 bad for them. But, you know, they don't go deep. They don't go into emotions. They don't go into the self-talk, the negative self-talk that we have at those times, and it's really there where we connect. Like now when we're gonna dive into my story, for most people, those crazy numbers are just too crazy to understand. Mm -hmm. But when I share what were the emotions that went through me uh, and what was the negative self-talk, Many people can recognize same yes. patterns in their own lives. So that's why I believe it's so important that we dive deep into it. But to go to the story, I'll try to make it quick. and you just stop me wherever you want and we'll go deeper into oh, it? Oh, please. I want, yeah. I want to hear more. So uh, I dropped out of high school well, uh, when I was 17 years old and and I went working for my father's company, I was more or less son by occupation for the next couple of years, um, not doing too much, you know, just being uh, the loving son. And uh, um, I was more uh, wasting my time on the computer and just waiting for, you know, 3 p.m., 4 p.m. to go off work. But then a few years later, my father suddenly died and it was like Mm. uh, he had pancreatic cancer and Mm. he really went from healthy to dead in in three weeks. Yes. Um, And since I was the only child, I had to take over the family business. I had no clue how to do that. Um, How do you run a company? I was always good at talking with people, connecting, networking, creating relationships. But that was more or less it. And, you know, when you're running a business, um, you know, you need to know a little bit about finances right. and leadership and this and, you and so that. you so young. I was 23 at that time, yes. Um, and, you know, at that time, there was no Facebook. There were no Facebook groups and coaches and mentors and all of that. You know, you had a few advisors but they were just advisors to corporations you know they are, they were too expensive for any mm, entrepreneur mm-hmm. to to being able to afford those advisors um so basically it was you know you figuring it out and uh, i was lucky to find at that time two people uh, that jumped into the company, took a bit of a share, and they took over, you know, the CEO function and all of that that I wasn't good at, and they would just let me do my stuff, which was sales and, and, uh, and networking. And things were good for a while, uh, but then because I found them, found them out of need, um, I really wasn't, you know, doing the real dating before we partner together so you know Mm -hmm. um and and later on when that need was taken care of i started seeing you know how different we are and and how our values are crashing and all of that so instead of creating new stuff within this company i said well you know what i'm doing good i but at that time I still haven't learned how to really run the company because they were running the company. Mm-hmm. So I was just okay I can do it. I mean I'm good at sales. I can I can open another business. And so I started opening new businesses and I ended up with four new businesses. Wow. And
0: it's funny you say time. ended up, but I mean, there was a lot that went into, into creating four new businesses. You say, I ended up with four businesses. And I think that's wow. so casual, right? Mija? I mean, you think about what it took for you to create four businesses. Most people today are struggling with creating just one, you know, how long did it even take you to create four um, businesses? Mm-hmm.
1: Not long, but that's one of the key things. I didn't do it as it's supposed to be done. So for a successful, for a sustainable business, the one thing that you must do is first lay down the right foundation it's like building a house you Mm -hmm. can't just start with the first floor which Um, people want to do yeah but that's what i did you know like i I jump started everything and i just went straight to the first or maybe even to the second floor and because in europe at that time the whole economy was booming you know basically you were walking down the street and the bank was throwing money at you Uh, as long as you had an idea they were just throwing money at you. And, and that's how my last company was started. I just had an idea for a real estate project and I got complete financing for a, um, that would be probably like 60, 70 million US dollars real estate project. Wow. And I mean, before that, I never even made a doghouse, let alone a house, (laughs) let alone something as huge as this with so many apartments and so on. Of course, I didn't know what the hell I'm doing. What
0: even got into your mind to make you think you could do
1: something like that? Ego. Very simple. Ego. I, I became overconfident, you know. At that time, I didn't see that the whole economy is great. I just thought that I'm so good you know like I can turn anything into gold and and so I wanted more and bigger things but I never laid down the right foundation mm-hmm. and and so when the financial crisis came in 2008 in the US and then it followed in 2009 in Europe um there was this one monday morning december 7 2009 when I got a phone call from my bank the problem was that my price, the, how much it would cost me to build one square meter was higher than what I was able to sell it for because the prices dropped so, so, so much. It was like they dropped by 50% or something like that. So suddenly my project was not viable anymore and I was in the middle of building it and the bank just said, no, we don't want to do anything with this because if we stop now, we will lose a few millions. If we go until the end, we will lose many tens of millions. So we'd rather stop it now. And because that decision was so sudden, I was completely unprepared. And all my other businesses, everything that I had was co-signed onto that agreement. And so the bank just started liquidating everything that was signed, uh, co-signed. And next day, Tuesday, Um, uh, I was without my companies, I wasn't able to pay employees, I wasn't able to pay suppliers, taxes, nothing. And so I went from having 15 million US of personal uh, network, plus the companies and so on to actually owing around $5 million personally, because I was co-signed on so many things. Me as mija. And back then, and I think that's still the law in, in, in Europe, if you, know, you don't pay the taxes and if you don't pay your employees, and it wasn't that I, I didn't want to pay them. I, I just, I, because of the bank's decision, I, all my cash flow was immediately terminated. You were an overnight
0: uh, failure.
1: Yeah. But because of that, um, I wasn't able to do personal bankruptcy. Mm. Um, so um I went into huge depression, huge anxiety. It was just darkness inside of me. Um, you know, I, I didn't felt like, oh, I failed at one thing. No, I was a failure, and that's that's my reality. I kind of started looking at the future as that there's no future for me at all. And so suddenly. Uh, because of that, and, and the whole nuclear reaction that was going on in my head, you know, overthinking the past, uh, not seeing the future, um, I just started uh, looking at options for a suicide, oh, and geez. it was more and more and more appealing because you know um, I don't see any future. Uh, my my mind is is I can't stop it. Um and you know every What's day the point I in get, living
0: anymore? Yeah.
1: Every morning I, I woke up to phone calls from people who I owed money to and so on. And I mean those weren't you know calls like, oh hey, we're gonna sue you. It was more like, you know, some mafia called you and told you what they will do to you. And at one point I really didn't see any point of going forward anymore. And um it was one night in 2010. Um, roughly around 11 PM when I actually, you know, um, before my apartment was taken away from me, um, I, I went on the other side of the balcony and I was like holding myself with just one hand and, and just looking down and, um, being ready to jump. And at that time, I mean, I don't know if, if, if I can say the F word uh, on your podcast, but you know, like I literally said to myself, um, you, uh, F failed. But hearing myself say the word you was the aha moment because before I was blaming what happened to me on, you know, the bank, the economy, the crisis, my past business partners, employees, you name it, like anything and everything outside of me. And for the first time, I really looked at it like, oh, what if it was all my fault? And then I started, you know, like crunching things from the past in my head and were like, I chose that lawyer. I chose that partner. I chose that employee. I did this. I did that. And then really the aha moment was if I change that, if I learn new things, if if I'm better at, at who I let in my life and so on, not only I can you know, like with all those failures, I was still able to come to fifteen million U.S. So if I do it better, I can do it better and bigger. And and that's when I suddenly, you know, saw the light on the other side of the tunnel. Um, and even now, when I'm talking about it, I mean, you know, I get the goosebumps just. Yeah, I'm getting chills moment. too. Yes. Uh, but that's when I saw the light, and then I climbed back in. I I went to my desk and I just took out some. Uh, papers and I started writing everything that I need to change all the new habits new things new things to learn I mean it was a huge 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 list of things Uh, but the first thing that I did in the morning was instead of waiting for others to start calling me again for the debts I started calling them and I said hey you know what if if you know you killing me will make you okay with you not getting the money back then you know let, let's just do it let's finish it today
0: mm. because
1: it, it it really has it, there's no sense in keep going in this way if you want your money back stop calling me um let's make a deal i'll call you once a month to give you an update but i need my peace and quiet i don't owe five thousand us so i can just get a job and repay in three months no, I owe five freaking million dollars. I need to make something huge to repay that, that amount of money. And I can't create something new and, and something so big with you calling me every morning. And even before eight o'clock in the morning, I'm already in huge depression. Um, and they all agreed to that and gave me that peace and quiet. And I slowly started working on my personal development and then on my business development and why I say first on the personal because it all starts from within you yes you know like so many times I hear entrepreneurs say oh next agreement and then I start exercising next agreement and then I'll have more time for my family it never happens that way Mm -mm. change never happens on the outside You always have to make it on the inside. And then it slowly manifests on the outside as well. And so the first thing I had to do was really work on myself. And then once I did that, I was able to work on the additional hard skills, let's call it that way. And then in 2014, I created another startup and I scaled that startup from zero to eight, multiple eight figures a month in less than a year and then to nine figures in in next year Um, but uh, overall in in, in a year Um, and then uh, I had a very successful exit I sold my share to a fortune 100 company Mm. and uh, I was able to repay all the debts and go for a long vacation and when I came back home I didn't know what to do you know and everybody was like oh what's the new business that you will start and I just wasn't passionate about starting something new. Um, So I went to the first startup incubator and I said, can I please volunteer and and help other entrepreneurs? And um, after a few months of, you know, helping other people, I saw that that's where my true passion is. That's what I enjoy doing. And that's how the fail coach was started
0: such an amazing story and you know really just so many wisdom bombs here and i I really want to dissect a lot of things you know the the one thing that i hear straight up is you know the personal development that you had to do i mean we're we're talking about rock bottom and and my listeners have heard my story and and realize what it is to have this rock bottom but there are a lot of of listeners who have not had that experience. They don't know what rock bottom is. They're wanting to start their business. Um they've maybe not had a failure. They're just trying to start a business. And yet they're sitting here in their mind often and they they think, "No, I just want the strategies, right? I I don't want to, you know, take the time to do all this personal development." But, you know, listening to your story, you know, and as I have had the opportunity to listen to so many other entrepreneurs, the one thing that is so important is to have this time with your mind to create the courage. Essentially, that's what you did. You were there in your failure, and you realize, I don't know what to do. I can't see my future, and you just you want to off yourself. And there you are. Suddenly, your mind is so incredibly strong at this point. And you realize that you are taking personal responsibility, and this is something that Jack Canfield talks about in his book. Have you ever read um, Success Principles?":
1: No, no, no unfortunately, no. I haven't read well, that one.
0: It is an amazing book, and it has really transformed a lot of people's lives, but the, the thing that people have to do is they have to take personal responsibility, right? We realize that that's a slap in the face. That is really hard, right? Because, yeah, there were a lot of things that were out of your control, right? When we're talking about, you know, in 2008 where we had the, the crisis in America and then it trickled down to the UK and to Europe, right? And that's something that is completely beyond your control, but yet there is personal responsibility, right? And when you finally did that, you had this awakening and you realized that it was you and you and you. Every... Step of the way. And this is what gave you the courage to literally walk back in and sit down at your desk to look at your future and see things a completely different way. And then to take that step into your own mind and the habits and the goals. And I want the listeners to really, really hear this because they don't want to take that time. Meha, these people are thinking, No, I just want the strategies. I just want to get going. You know, and and there is no overnight
1: success right yeah i mean i i get a lot of that as well i mean uh, a lot of people you know come to you and say well i don't want any of that personal mm. uh development stuff and all of that just tell me what to do yes. and i mean i i just tell them like okay if if you believe that that's the right way for you to go to move forward then we are not a good fit yes. i wish you all the best on your journey. And, you know, I I already know that sooner or later they will realize, and sometimes you need to fail. Even, you know, being a coach, I sometimes have to let, I mean, often my clients tell me, oh, now I really understand what the coach is about. Because sometimes I I give them the the, the recipe, but, you know, because of this or that uh, thing, they don't, they choose not to do it the way I told them. Um, And then I just have to let them fail until that pain is big enough so that they're ready to change. Um, And I,
0: I, I love that you're not taking responsibility for their failure. You gave them the recipe, right? And we realize, as I was saying before, like the top 1%, top 10%, the most successful people know this. And yet there are people that won't listen and they've got to go and and just do the strategy, right? And it doesn't work. You've got to do the work, the inner work.
1: Um, Yeah. Like I could, I I mean, I'm not the person that would you know, uh, name call any gurus or coaches or anything out there. But you would be surprised, you know, like when I ask my clients, uh, you know, what they did in the past and, and who they were learning from in the past. And, and they tell me uh, some of the big names, in the like big names in, in a way where they are constantly, you know, uh, using ads and so on to be uh, in front of us. Mm-hmm. Um and boasting this amazing results and then this person is now finally ready to listen and do the work that needs to be done. And of course, at the end, they are successful and, and they achieve that success. But they have to go through the learning to the learning experience. I mean, you can't help somebody who's not ready to be helped and if they are stuck in in their mindset that you know, oh, I don't need any of that personal development, you know I just need to okay. You know, like go on your journey and sooner or later you will you will figure that out by yourself.
0: So prior to 2009, was that a practice of yours? Were you actually in that knowing that you had to have personal development?
1: No, no. I was like, uh, um, that's not for me. Like that's, right. you know, some um Zen Zen stuff that's for you know the enlightened people and i'm you know like i'm I'm real i'm on the ground and you know like I was like that like give me Strategy. the the hard skills give yes. me you know the how to's and and all of that and you know it it did work for a while i mean I did you know accomplish to get to the fifteen million u s in personal network, but as i said um I was crazy enough to do bigger things. And, you know, money was like being thrown at you. So, you know, I mean, um, I was probably not even doing that well, to be honest. But at that time, you know, I was still a kid and, you know, um, I was like flying high. I was, you know, on cloud number nine uh, thinking how amazing I am, how good I am. You know, mm. I'm this kid. Uh, everything that I touch becomes gold and and I really became super cocky and you know like oh um, you know greedy I need bigger projects and and millions and gazillions and you know I don't know I didn't I don't even know what I needed that for like probably I wanted to buy a private jet or something I don't know I guess
0: you want to experience it you had the money and why not
1: right why not you know but I was Driven by completely wrong things, you know mm-hmm. like you can't be driven by money there needs mm-hmm. to be something above that yes um and and for me at that time you know it, it was more or less about the money and and uh you know i i, I don't i don't know i mean um it, it was i mean i wouldn't trade that time to to you know make it go away because um now uh i i have this huge knowledge of what I felt was, you know, being successful and how empty my life truly was. Mm -hmm. So now I don't have any of that hunger, you know, for those things. And I can really focus on, on, you know, where my real core values are and core beliefs, uh, and, and what truly makes me who I am. And probably if I wouldn't experience that part, I might today want to do that. I guess maybe at one point, you know, you you have to experience it a little bit uh, to see uh, the reality of it.
0: It was a life-changing experience. And I really appreciate your honesty. And and let's talk a little bit about your personal life at that time because you actually lost a marriage over this too, didn't you? And friends, support system.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, but looking back, me and my ex-wife, we had not much in common, you know? Like the thing was, why we got married was I was just seeing everybody around me, you know, getting married, getting kids. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm in a relationship. I mean, you know, like um, you got to marry somebody. This is what know? I'm like, supposed let's, to do.
0: Yeah. Let's Check it off. It.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was more or less like that. I mean, uh, I, it's like that, that's how it was. And, uh, but, you know, our common thing was, traveling and going to fancy restaurants and this and that. And the moment the money was no longer there, we literally didn't have much to talk about.
0: There was no commonality. There was no common bonding. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We we just realized that we are like two completely different people uh, that we were only bonded by, you know, like, so all that material world um, was kind of like filling the gaps that were between us on a deeper level so we always were busy with something you know busy planning our next vacation busy planning where do we eat today or tomorrow and and things like that so you know instead of focusing on the deeper on the more important things on more important conversations and stuff like that and and the same goes with friends you know i had this uh, huge a number of friends from cigar clubs and rotary clubs and lions clubs and and so on. And, you know, we were all big shots and, you know, um, having those uh, black cards and this and that. And, um, you know, I really thought like, oh, my God, like these are my friends and, you know, I'm so important and and all of that. And the moment uh, uh, everything went down for me, those were the first people who never, answered my call anymore
0: and this is where you're learning that life is a lot more than money and you realize that you needed to change and so you did and i i love how you you started to really create a new future and you know obviously You know, how you you have your dog happy and you've created a new business and now you're volunteering and you're helping other entrepreneurs because we realize that we're all here on this planet to help to love and to support people. And when we go into that ego place to actually think that it's all about us and it's all about making money. And, and I don't want to like poo poo making money because we need money. We need money to have our lifestyle. We need money to support our family, you know, to help our children. We need money to, you know, um, Donate and to tithe and give to our causes to help the world become a better place, right? And a lot of people do actually believe that um, People who are rich are greedy people who are rich don't give to the world people who are rich Don't do anything for other people, but it's so not true and and here you are a completely changed man by your experience so now, I, I want to actually talk a little bit about the business that actually started creating so much wealth so quickly. So there you were. You you climb out back and walk over to your desk with this idea, and you're making deals. And what was the business, what was the idea that you had that was actually going to start creating more money for you?
1: Oh, um, I mean... That was something that I saw doing the previous things, uh, how much energy is wasted in big corporations. And when I say energy, I mean electricity and gas. Mm. And um, since I was kind of always, you know, uh, conscious about our planet and and the global climate change and all of that, um, I thought, you know, like okay, green energy, that's good thing, you know, like solar, uh, power plants and wind plow power plants. But, um, you know, if we keep on using more, um, there will never be enough. So we need to start doing something on decreasing the usage. And so, you know, if I start with a house, that's some, that's a little, little, little part. So let's go to the big ones. And so I, I created like a, whole new approach to how energy efficiency can be handled and, and, and done in, in bigger corporations. And we had some really big corporations as our clients. Uh, we were really the, the leader at that time because nobody else was using, you know, like, artificial intelligence and stuff like that. everything was just technical solutions. but we really went deeper. we really went on you know changing the processes, behavioral change within the corporations and so on. And uh, yeah, um, our business model was very simple, so we invest in everything and we together with the client we share the savings. Um, so um, I was able to get a few investors on board to trust my idea they invested the money that we needed because obviously I was flat broke and uh, we got our first client made good results there and then things just started you know Mm -hmm. moving forward and then like I said later on we were uh, acquired by by uh, a Fortune 100 company. I can't share too much, you know, of gotcha. the specifics because of the NDA. Because it wasn't like a like a purchase. Uh, it was more like a technology takeover. So um, I I do have to you know stay away from the details. Uh, but we were doing like almost uh, twice as much savings as our competition, and that that was our edge in in that um in that area specific area Mm -hmm.
0: so i want to start talking and dissecting a little bit more about how we can help entrepreneurs so if we're talking about an individual who has an idea like you did right we realize that there are a lot of people out there who are wondering if it's a good idea they need a resource first of all and and Know if it's a good idea or not because they could fall flat on their face. I mean, obviously, we don't go into a business without having that foundation, like what you you discovered, right? So, how would an entrepreneur know whether it's a good idea? We realize that some things are trendy. Right, and then some things are tried and true, right? When we realize throughout, you know, the last hundred years or whatever, even more that you know maybe health and wellness and those kinds of things are tried and true. I mean, it seems like no matter the information that's out there, people still need help with losing weight. So I'm just using that as an example. Uh, But if if an entrepreneur is listening to this and they want to know if they have a good idea, how would they be able to know
1: that? Well, I mean first of all when when i'm working with my clients you always need to have a product market fit first i mean before you can validate product market fit it's really just a waste of your resources to start you know planning i don't know content strategy and client journey and this and that and you know i am a true startup owner by heart so i'm all about lean and mean and you know mvp style like minimum viable product and all of that so um when we look at product market fit, there's three things that really go into product market fit. One thing is audience, some kind of audience, a group of people that you know has a certain problem and is seeking certain solution. Um, and then the problem or solution or both give you your product or your service. And then you need to have a business business uh, model that that they can afford and that's good enough for you to you know survive and then grow and and so on um and uh, the best way to to figure out a product market fit is really to start with the audience you know like Mm -hmm. go figure an audience that you would like to help that you would love to serve and you know it can be you know um different things you know I'm, I'm not so much stuck in just the demographic it needs to be you know lady 32 years old with one child living in this house and so on um i'm more more about you know certain emotions and stuff like that that are common between that group of people um and once you you figure that out um you start talking with with uh, people so it's market start- research yeah but it's more like just be a human being just yeah. have a chat with them yes. and they, they will open up and they'll start telling you you know like get me on the phone I'll tell you 100 things that you know like why is somebody not yet doing that you know so mm-hmm. bam there's your market research yes. you know so if if I'm somebody that you would have like an an for a ideal client for yourself bam you just get me on the phone and and you know get me to talk um and and so with talking with them you will learn about the problems they're having about the desires they're having and then you know you, you have to think you know where can i bridge the gap where can i create a product can i just you know uh, get the product from the u.s and resell it in europe because it's not here any uh, yet or something like that so you'll get plenty of ideas what to do once you start talking with certain groups of people and and then you can easily figure out what's something that they're ready to pay. I mean, if you are just a human being, they'll tell you. Um, and, and then, you know, you have to just make the calculations. It's it's pretty simple. And then when you have that, you just go back to those same people. I mean, obviously you got the idea from them and, and try to pre-sell it to them. You know, even if you don't have the product, yeah, just pre-sell it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and you'll deliver it once you know you have 20 sales done and once you have 20 10 20 sales that means that you have a validated uh product market fit and that's where you can then start looking at ways to you know prepare the foundation for growing and gathering the team together and planning the content and client journey and uh, all of that but first thing you always need to have a product market fit
0: that's so good. And I know a lot of people are thinking about creating this product first. So they've done their research, you know, and the, and seeing that there is a market for it, right? And then they're like, oh, I'm just going to create this product. And the thing is, is that they're, they're not really launching. And I love what you said uh, about going back to those same people, really just to get the pre-sales in a sense, because that's going to actually fund your business, right?
1: I mean, until somebody is really ready to give you money, it's not a validated product market Mm -hmm, fit. mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I can, like, if you ask me, oh, Micha, would you love to have a concierge service that would do all the travel planning for you and of course i'll say you know sharon wow that would be amazing uh how uh, and you know maybe you know you can figure out that you know i'm quite well off i can you know afford a certain amount of money and you know you guess and you say oh that could be something that you know like 5k a month for for somebody like mika and then you know after a month you come back to me and say hey mika i have the solution for your traveling needs, and it's 5K, and, and, you know, at that point, am I going to give you my cart, or will I be, well, you know, now that you mention it, it's, it's not so big problem for me to do it myself, mm-hmm. and then we don't have a product market fit.
0: Yes. I love that so much. It's, and a lot of people are missing that when they think that they can just hit the ground running. But we also realize that if someone is already buying it, you know, if we're thinking about some of the types of businesses that are already existing, then we realize that there is a market for it. And then it's just a matter of really standing out and making yourself look a little bit more unique and how you can actually help um, in a different way, right? Right.
1: Well, yeah, you need to figure out, I mean, if there's something that you can already duplicate, you still need to stand out because Mm -hmm. you are starting out, you are not recognized, and that other guy might already be a recognized brand. Now, how do you counter that? You you need to have something more valuable that you're giving to, to that audience. And the worst thing that you can do, in my opinion, is to say, oh, I'm the cheapest. Because, you know, sooner or later, somebody else will come who'll be cheaper. So building your business on the brand story where the whole value is I am cheaper um, is, is not a sustainable business. Not, not in the long run.
0: And I think that the fact is, is that when we're talking about being the cheapest and having value, we realize that a lot of people feel like, well, what am I going to get for my money? Right. It can't be very good. So we have this psychological thing that goes on in our mind where we realize, well, you know, maybe that's not going to be very good. I'm not going to get a lot of results. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, you you need to like, uh, I call this like value ladder. If you' are solving a logical problem with a logical solution, that's a bargain thing. you know like that's like I don't know, I'm out of paper in my printer. I go to the first store and I just buy you know a stack of papers. I'm, there's no brand loyalty, no, nothing. I'll just buy whatever comes you know to my hand. and and so that's not something if you are selling those papers, something to build upon as a sustainable business. Because, you know, tomorrow somebody will offer something a bit cheaper and that's it. Um, Now, if you're trying to solve an emotional problem with logical solution, that usually doesn't work. Because, you know, um, when we have an emotional problem, we don't believe that a simple logical solution will solve it. Um, it, It's just just usually hard for us to understand you can solve a logical problem with an emotional desire solution. Mm, mm -hmm. So that's much higher on the scale. But the best thing is if you can get in the emotional problem with emotional solution. That's where you have the brand loyalty. That's where you have fans. That's where you have, you know, people that will stay your clients because you are giving them something more than just something logical. And so every time that I'm working with a client, we I always dive in and see how we can spin around the whole PR approach, the whole brand story that they're communicating to get us from uh, logic, logic into the sphere of emotion, emotion. And when, once you get there, that's where, you know, that's where then you are the Louis Vuitton or the Prada or, you know, um, you're not just, you know some some cheap brand that tomorrow comes another one that's cheaper and uh, wish all your clientele goes to them
0: you're sharing so much now about the how to's of business. And it takes me back to when you actually, you you sold your business to, it was a Fortune 100 company, right? And then, so at that point, you're thinking to yourself, I want to start a different business, but I want to get rid of this other one first, right? Or did you have this other idea first about being the fail coach? What happened? No,
1: no, no. I just wasn't really passionate about the Mm -hmm. whole energy Mm -hmm. business. Um, It was something I knew a lot about. Uh, but I wasn't. I wasn't passionate about it, um, and I knew from the start that this is really something to get me out of that situation. And I, when I started the company, I started with exit in my mind, because even our oh, business model well, it was not a cash flow model. We weren't going for the cash flow. We were just putting the money in. You know, knowing that at one point we do the exit and then the money returns back, Um, so it was it was even uh, run in a different way because it was run with the exit in mind from day one. Um, But yeah, I I didn't know what I want to do. That's why I took like a long vacation. You know, when I came back, I was like, okay, um, I love talking to entrepreneurs. and, you know, like I realized that all my adult life I was an entrepreneur. So it's not just something I do; it was like really who I am. And and I can't get you know out of that entrepreneurial spirit and and wanting the freedom and it's creating freedom. Yeah, it's it's really in my blood. And and uh, yeah, I just instead of creating another company on my own, I guess I figured that this way I can influence more or create more leaders and you know help them and it's so fulfilling you know like mm. there's i mean you can't describe that warm fuzzy feeling in yeah. your heart when you see that you've helped somebody to go from clueless to you know making transformation 20, 50 100k a month and being able to give back and and have employees and and spend more time with their family and so on yes. it's like really. Helping helping people reach their dreams and it's it's such a wonderful feeling um, and I, I could never I guess go back now that I've seen how 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 lovely it is to do what I do.
0: So here you are, the fail coach, and you you've gone through a major transformation and lots and just massive action you've taken right and you had massive amounts of inner work to get you where you are today to build this strong confident courageous mind and putting together all of the pieces with strategy and then I love what you said about finding your passion there, because again, a lot of the entrepreneurs, you know, are thinking, I just want to make some money. I just want to make some money, right? This is where their mind is. And they're not thinking about their greater reason why they're doing it. Um, and they're not thinking about the fulfillment part of it and how it factors into it. And I can, I can tell the audience too, and we've talked about this, but you know, when you don't have that greater reason why you're doing something or that passion, you know, it, having a business is full of hills and valleys, you know, there are good days, bad days, and lots of different things. And if you don't have that passion, you know, on a bad day, you know, you might think about quitting, right? And, and like you were talking yeah. about before, you know, entrepreneurs, um, feel very anxious. They feel very stressful and to the point of maybe even suicide when they don't feel that it's like, it's a human need is what it is. It's a value It's um, a personal value.
1: Sharon, one thing that, that, I'm a huge, huge believer in is is emotional intelligence. And, you know, emotional intelligence is a huge topic, but specifically the part where you know when to use emotions, when to use logic, like how to balance Mm. between those two. And most people, especially when they're starting out, they come to me and they say, oh, Micha, what makes best sense? What can I start that will produce the biggest cash flow and something like that? They're trying to solve what they want to do logically. And I always tell them, don't go that way. Just tell me what what comes from your heart? What do you want to do? What you're passionate about? Because, you know, in all honesty, we can turn... Anything into business these days, like I mean, just go on Fiverr. I mean, there is a guy there, um, uh, like 60 ish, uh, with white beard, looks like Father Christmas, and you know, he makes these banana videos where <laughs> you know, you pay him 20 bucks and, and he'll you know, make a video and talk into banana like it's a phone and say, oh Hey, hey, God. hey, Sharon, uh, hi from Mija, and like he has thousands of positive reviews. Like, you know, thousands times 20 bucks. I mean, that's a solid, solid six-figure business doing that. So, I mean, in today's world, there's almost nothing you can't turn into a business. So instead of thinking what's the best business to start is to think like, what am I truly passionate about? What gets me going? Because like you said, yes, anything that you start, anything, any journey will be filled with roadblocks or failures or whatever you want to call them. But, you know, there will be like 10 failures or 10 roadblocks for every little success. And you have to deal with it. I mean, that's the road of entrepreneurship. If you're not ready to do that, then stay in your comfort zone Mm -hmm. and, you know, go to your nine to five. Be happy if you have that. I mean, really, like, Road of entrepreneurship is filled with roadblocks. And for you to overcome that, like you said, um, if, if you're not passionate about something, like how will you do, like every roadblock will be a new excuse for you to just give up.
0: That's right. And I love what you said there so much. There, there's so much there that's so important for people. And they they don't see the wisdom in the facts of building their business with that foundation, with you know realizing that they have a bigger vision, that they have to get out there in the world more than anything else. And so here you are as the fail coach, you're helping entrepreneurs build their businesses from scratch. You're helping entrepreneurs grow their businesses to six figures, seven figures, eight figures, right? And you are so much more wise and so much more successful than you ever were Right, because now you're you're literally living the dream. You're you've got your dog happy. You are far more happy than you ever were. So, if you could tell the listeners here three secrets to your success where you are, what would it be?
1: Well, that's a good one, um, because what I usually always say at the end is three things. Um, yeah. Uh, be grateful, stay humble, and fail fast, fail forward. Mm,
0: I love the grateful aspect. And, and, you know, we could get very woo-woo. And I know we have very often, you know, on the show. And the thing is, is people do not realize... The power of gratitude. It is so incredibly powerful to have the gratitude throughout the day, to start the day this way, to end the day this way. And then. Well,
1: one way that I see that sentence, be grateful, um, yes, I agree with what you said, but also in another way, because, you know, we are constantly in our head chasing, you know, what we don't have yet. Mm -hmm. And often that can stop us from acting with what we do have. And so, you know, be grateful and and just do what you can with what you have. Mm -hmm. Of course, you'll get to what you need eventually. But, you know, that shouldn't stop you from starting right away. You have a phone, you can start an online business. You know, uh, you you don't need to have this and this and this and this because so often we, we get sidetracked into that mindset, you know, like, oh, I need first this and this and this and this and this. And then and then the list becomes so huge and so overwhelming. And then add the infobesity of today's internet world, you know, like with all the information and everything there and you get paralyzed.
0: Yes. It, it, it feels too overwhelming. It feels too stressful. I don't even know what to do next. Yeah, I know a lot of my clients are dealing with that same thing. So I could just talk to you forever. And I I feel like there's so much more I would love to just pull out of you. Uh, I think the thing is that you have some amazing gifts, an amazing story. And thank you so much for sharing it with me today and my audience.
1: Well, thank you, Sharon. I mean, it was a pleasure. And like I said, um, I've learned if we want to eradicate this taboo called failure, we need to talk about it.
0: Yes. And you have a special invitation for the listeners, don't you?
1: Oh, I mean, it's really just a like um a lot of um coaches and 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 this out there you know they're giving out free books, free webinars, and so on, which is amazing and great and and uh, uh, but I kind of believe in that personal personal touch, and so Um, I open my Zoom client once or twice a week and I open it for 10, 15 people to join in to ask me on the spot. You know, it's a live thing. They ask me and they get specific answers to to their questions. And uh, some even come every week and they have that as a bit of an accountability uh, factor as well. And so if anybody from your audience wants to, try it out wants to you know just meet me in as much person as we can uh via the internet uh, they can just go to frameworkforfreedom.me um they'll go into my chatbot click the calendar link and 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 then they can subscribe and and we never spam anybody so they don't have to be afraid that they will get uh spammy messages from us so that's all they have to do frameworkforfreedom.me and just pick Whatever session uh, uh, they they have time for.
0: We'll put that in the show notes. It reminds me a lot of a mastermind group, really.
1: Um. Yeah, you could say in a way. I mean, my my uh, paid clients call that pick my brain sessions. And mm-hmm. they say that it's really valuable for them because, you know, um, um, they, they start doing something, they hit some roadblocks, they jump on a call with me, bam, we brainstorm solutions. They can go try them out, test them out, and bam, they're back. It's really, you know, in, in that mindset of fail fast, fail forward. So mm-hmm. um, they, they can do a lot of fails, they jump on the session. We go through the possible solutions and bam. And and from week to week, um, they get results much faster than without those sessions.
0: That's all we can do. I mean, we have an idea. We have to go and try it. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't work because our mind isn't where it needs to be. You know, our energy is all wrong. And sometimes it's just that we didn't implement it right. So it's great for them to be able to come back and say, okay, I tried this. What did I do wrong? In a sense, you can kind of dissect it and say, okay, well, why don't you try this? So literally, you're like dissecting it and planning it so that they can ultimately create success.
1: Absolutely. I mean, um, I think it's it's in the US, you guys uh, have this saying where, you know, you first need to learn how to crawl, to yes. learn how to walk. And and the same is with success. You know, you, you first need to uh, go over quite a few failures before you get over to the success. And the key is not in evading failure because mm-hmm. failure is, is like part of life. It's, it's you know, like, like that. Um, you know, it's imminent. You, you can't avoid it. You have to make peace um, with it. Yeah. And, and that's why, you know, I... What I mostly do is I help entrepreneurs how to establish that healthy emotional relationship with failure.
0: That's so good and so incredibly important. So I appreciate you so much sharing your story and all of the tips and advice and all of your wisdom today. This week's episode was jam-packed with great content, and now it's time for you to take massive action. Make sure to schedule your strategy session with yours truly, and also visit FearlessPursuits.com where you can subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you found the show valuable, we'd appreciate a 5-star rating on iTunes too. Or... If you simply tell a friend about the podcast, that helps too. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. This is your fearless online business coach, Sharon Koenig. Thanks for listening. Now go out and be fearless so you can change the world.